My name is Brent Van Hook, and when I'm 90 years old, I want to be like Stuart Briscoe. Hello and welcome to Shepherd's Fold Ministries for today's Encouragement Podcast. Shepherd's Fold Ministries exists to minister to ministers of all denominations or independent churches of the Christian faith. Today we have a treat for you. Stuart Briscoe is our special guest. I know. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? I, I'm, I was so privileged to get to interview him. I interviewed him to help put together a podcast of encouragement for ministers of all denominations or independent churches of the Christian faith. His answers were so wonderful that I am putting together multiple episodes of this podcast for you to hear his responses. And in fact, this episode is a double episode where he talks about why ministers are important, weaving together his great understanding of society, the church community, scripture, and more as he brings it together in wisdom and encouragement for ministers. He's 90 years old and has cancer that is now in remission, and his wisdom was so spectacular that I wanted you to hear this. So thank you for listening to today's podcast, and now I'm going to turn to a portion of my interview with Stuart Briscoe. So here's the first question, Stuart. Why are ministers important? What comes to mind when I raise that question? You know, that, that, that's a question that's being asked in, in many, many quarters at the moment. Um, because of the COVID and the, the necessity for lockdowns, we very quickly discovered that we might counter for covid uh, by locking everybody down, but if we lock everybody down, that would kill COVID, but it would also kill society because it would collapse, and that some people needed not to be locked down. So then the argument was, who are the people who should not be locked down? And the answer was essential workers. And so your, your, your question is very similar to this very broad question Serena asked, which workers are essential, including pastors? Are they essential? Well, if, if we ask the question that's been asked by the advisory board uh, on uh, who, who should be characterized an essential worker, it, it's very interesting. And I could talk for the whole time that we have on this, which is not the point. But there's 1A, 1B, and 1C. They're the, they're the categories of the first people to receive a vaccine and to be exempt from the lockdown. And uh, 1A has a list, a very specific list, and 1B has a very specific list. And uh, then 1C has a very short list at first. It just says everybody not included 1A and 1B. And, uh, but then if you turn to 1C, you'll find dozens upon dozens upon dozens of workers who are essential. But you can look long and hard for ministers. Hmm. And so the question really is, does secular society regard ministers as important? Well, actually, the nearest you can get is right down at the bottom of the list of 1C. You will come across religious organizations Religious organizations have some exemption, not the ministers, not the people working here, but the, the organization. 
And the general idea seems to be they'll come in very useful, these organizations, persuading vaccine-hesitant people. The, the, people, the people in the religious organizations might have some influence, particularly in the underprivileged segments of society, where there's a lot of hesitancy. So the religious organizations are helpful in that regard. And the second reason is they have good facilities that are very, very helpful as far as helping with, with vaccinations. So there, there we have it. In other words, the, the, the society as a whole would say, in answer to your question, are they, are they important? The answer is not particularly no. If you go to the church community and ask them, you'd find ambivalence there as well. Hmm. You'd, you'd find that there's a, a, a popular saying, for instance, that many ministers are six days of the week invisible and one day of the week incomprehensible. <laughs> In other words, if, if you ask, what does your minister do? A, a lot of people would not know how to answer that. And that, that, that is sad, and it, it needs addressing. And you, you have addressed it, and I probably should get around to answering it now. When, when, when I heard that you wanted to talk about this, I, I, was, I was reminded of a, a scripture in First Thessalonians. Allow me to read it to you. Paul said, uh, now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Mm. That's a very simple, very, very brief statement, but it, it hits the nail on the head. We ask you, brothers, that is the community in the churches, we ask you to respect those who work hard among you. That is the description of ministers. Now then, well, the, the, the question is, well, what, what do they do? The word that Paul uses here is not just any old work, uh, any old word for work. It is a word that was used particularly for manual labor. It was, it was a work that, this, that, that described people putting out an enormous amount of energy to the point of weariness. Hmm. Really? That is what I'm saying here. Now, we, we want you to respect those who work among you to the point of weariness. Now, is, what, what is the importance of the people who are ministers of the gospel? And the answer is they are important because of the work that they do to the point of weariness, which, has, which now leads to the next question. Right. Well, what do they do? What is this is so tiring about it? There's some of them get up and give a little homily for 20 minutes, and that's about it for the week. Then they go fishing. What's so exhausting about this? What's so tiring about this? Well, go back to the text again, and it gives you some clues. It says, now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord. 
So in other words, they're working to the point of tiredness, of weariness, of exhaustion. It's hard work, whereas they are operating over you in the Lord. Put that in the back of your mind for a moment. Secondly, it says, hold them uh, and who admonish you, admonish you and hold them in the highest regard in love. So they work hard among you, they are over you in the Lord, and they admonish you. That's what ministers do, and they are to be respected for this. Okay, now this work work hard uh, among you, give me some specifics. Well, one of them is that they are committed to working hard in teaching. Mm-hmm. Working hard in teaching. That is, Paul uses the same word when he describes the teaching ministry. The study that has to be done, keeping in tune with what is happening in the modern, in the culture, and what is happening in the eternal, in the eternal culture, and building the bridge between the two. There is a definite need for this. There's, and this takes work. You can't just come up with the same old talk and just trot it out. You can't just get up and tell some stories. What we need to do is to exposit the Word of God, and that takes work. I I, I, I can go on at great length about, about this. The second thing I would like to point out is this. That the the Apostle Paul uses the term among you, respect them for the work that they do among you. When Paul in Acts chapter 20 bade farewell to the Ephesian elders, he, he said, I want to remind you that I have gone about among you. And you've got you've got this idea of the pastor just going about among his people. Uh-huh. What in the world is he doing as he goes among his people? He's getting to know those people. Right. His life is becoming intertwined with those people. That's right. He begins to weep with those who weep. He begins to rejoice with those who rejoice. He begins to commiserate. He begins to counsel. He begins to bear the burden. He begins to show the people love. He helps them deal with grief. He he is giving of himself, and his life is just all about going about among the people. He's not secluded in his office watching television, but if he is, he's not doing his job. And incidentally, well, not incidentally, if he is sitting in his office watching television, he is in. He is very vulnerable to the problem of many pastors, which is put putting it bluntly, porn, pornography. Oh. But that's that's another problem that we don't we don't need to address now. So we're talking about pastors who work hard in teaching and in going about among people yes. and beginning learning empathy. Yes, learning learning, learning what it is to getting a shoulder under the burden of the people. It's not just a case of getting up and giving a talk and then going off and living your life, and they go off and live their lives. Right. The third thing, the third thing that, that takes a lot of hard work is realizing as we go among the people, 
we are consciously or unconsciously modeling something. Yes. We are consciously or unconsciously modeling something. As we live among the people, the people will begin to realize that, well, they, they certainly don't belong on that pedestal where we put them, but we certainly shouldn't be denigrated the way some of the people are denigrating them either. In other words, they are real people yes. and they're living real lives and we get to see them going out among us living ordinary lives. So I have had the privilege of living among the people with cancer. It's, it's amazing to me the difference that that has made with so many people who are coming and saying, talking about their cancer. It just sounds as if the world is full of cancer patients. Hmm. And yet there's a point of contact with these people. And because I am going through cancer and they're going through cancer, there is a bond that, mm -hmm. is, that mm -hmm. is there. And how I handle this cancer is going to be regarded as modeling it. Now, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't get myself in the knot about this. I just live with cancer as uh, as I live in the Lord. But there's something there that is of value for the other people. Now, on another scale, my eldest son went through a divorce years ago. Suddenly, our family was rocked by the unthinkable. They would never known anything close to divorce in, in my whole extended family, ever. And suddenly it was right on our doorstep. And suddenly we have to live with divorce as we go about among the people. Right. And you would not believe how, how important that is. But this is exhausting. Yes. This, 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 this takes work. So that, that's the first thing. We have to respect the people who work hard among us to the point of exhaustion in, in all these areas. And there are many other areas. The second thing they says is we have to respect those who are over us because they because they are over us. In other words, they are put in positions of leadership. Right. But there's a caveat here. Mark chapter 10, the Lord Jesus made it very, very clear that anybody who wants to become important in the church has got to learn to serve. Right. And so here, here you've got it. We are not to rule over them, but we are to go about among them, exercising leadership and management and oversight in people's lives. Now you start building up a congregation. You've got, you've got lives all over the map. You've got all kinds of situations and these people all need leadership. They, they, well, they may not think they need it, and they may need it more than others. But the, but the situation is that their, their, their lives need, need somebody on the helm to help, to help them. And those, the, those possibilities and those needs are all over the map. This is exhausting. Just trying to serve these people and at the same time give them leadership and management and oversight. Now that, that's worth pondering. How do we do both? How do we serve them and how do we operate over them? And then the third thing is equally tiring, equally exhausting, is we have to admonish people at times. 
And that means not just give them nice talks, but we need to speak to them about putting into gear the things that they are putting into their heads. Right. Uh, we need to talk to them about some behavioral practices that are not acceptable in the community of faith. We have to talk to people about this thing. And that's not pleasant. And you can find yourself in deep trouble with situations like that. Very Lots of pastors are giving up on, on, on this pastor ministry. It's too hard, too, too difficult for them. Or it's too hard or too difficult for their wives to deal with all the backlash that's coming, not to the pastor, but to the pastor's wife and, and family. And so... That, that's my long-winded answer, Brent, to your question, which came so long ago, you probably forgot what the question was, but that's the best that's, I can do. Oh, I tell you what, that is just absolutely wonderful, uh, insightful um, that, that you have brought us. What a, what a great answer and uh, some depth there that you you have given us. And so thank you. Thank you for that. 